This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, go to Friendly... No, go to Patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. I know my shtick by now. <laughs> um, hello, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm fine. Just... Just fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. <laughs> There's a vaccine coming out soonish, which I'm pretty excited Soon-ish, about. Yeah. I'm presently arguing with much family about Thanksgiving. So, you know, just the dream I was hoping to live. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a nice dream while it lasted, but yeah. you didn't make it. So it was nice knowing you. I will uh, be hosting alone from now yeah. on. It's going to be much less funny. I wanted to start with something lighthearted before we get to all the serious stuff. And by lighthearted, I mean dumb, but in a way that was dumb back like five years ago when the world wasn't on fire still. So the Creation Museum, Answers in Genesis people, that ministry, they do a show kind of like ours where they talk about current events, except Mm -hmm. theirs is ostensibly a pro-creationism show except they never talk about creationism because there's nothing to talk about because it yeah, never creationism isn't something that you can like continuously discuss because yeah. it's really just like it never know. comes up in the news unless it's them sure, sure um and so but they're still doing it and so this week here's a, a highlight of what they do they had three of their uh, co-hosts for Answers News discussing all the hottest news in town. <laughs> and I'm going to quote you what one of their doctors on staff, like a PhD, mm. has. she is the education content administrator for Answers in Genesis, uh-huh. uh, Jennifer Rivera. Here's what she said. She broke out a, she got out a skull, a human skull, and a skull of, I think, an ape. And she was trying to explain the way God designed them to be different. That was what she was going for, because obviously there's no evolution that links these two up. Mm-hmm. And she points to the human skull and says, I'm quoting now, we can also look at the nasal bone right here. God designed humans very specifically with this nasal bone because he knew, because mm-hmm. of sin, We'd be wearing glasses and contacts. <laughs> she goes like, on to say, so let's hold our glasses. Primates have no need to wear glasses, so they were not created with that bone there. Primate noses. I, I, I'm debating which question to ask first. Between, first of all, if God knew you were going to wear contacts, why the hell do you need a nasal bone? To um, Yeah, the contacts thing is really throwing <laughs> me for a loop. Also, I just Googled primate noses, and some of these boys have some schnozzes on them. Yeah, like, it's not that they don't have the same bones or, like, no noses whatsoever or anything. Also... If God knew in advance we would be wearing glasses in the future, why not make our eyes better? She said because of sin, Hammond, pay attention. Yes, well, then how come Adam and Eve had the same nasal bone in theory in all the depictions? It's like them having belly buttons. Like, Mm -hmm. it looks normal, Mm -hmm. but when you think about it, Mm -hmm. eh, I don't know. Not so much. But um, that's extremely funny. <laughs> and of that course, is, none of the co-hosts pushed back on anything she said. Isn't that like an elementary kid's logic? Creation like, Museum. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Did she say the same thing about ears? <laughs> she did not discuss ears at the time. But so, wait, okay. Yeah. I know this is pointing out the obvious. But we designed glasses to fit on the faces that we have. Presently. Yeah. Yeah. We and if we didn't have a we nasal bone, we'd find a way to like stick them on us another way. We'd all be wearing like rec specs. Yes. Like the NBA. Yes. With the bandana thingy on the, <laughs> exactly. or the band on the back. Right. Oh, look dope. That would look much better than whatever the hell I'm wearing right now. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's creationist news for you for the that- update. 
Very good. Thank you for that. I needed, You're welcome. I needed that very badly. You're welcome. Okay, let's talk about more serious stuff. We talked a week or two ago about Madison Cawthorn. He's the newly elected Republican congressman who has been accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women. Um, He's a guy who's like, what do I do on vacation? Let me go to Hitler's summer home. Yeah. <laughs> the guy yeah. who said, I don't like that journalist who writes about me and quotes me because he went to, quote, work for non white males like Cory Booker and the guy whose first tweet after winning his election was cry more more yeah Yeah. so this is that guy he's 25 he's gonna be around for a while treat for the eyes and ears so one of the biggest profiles of this guy just came out since getting elected uh came out in a publication uh called Jewish Insider and so obviously the people who want to talk to him are kind of uh, they have they have a thing they want to talk about too. Sure. And this Wait, I'm going to read. Jewish? He is not. He's okay. an evangelical Christian. He's a guy okay. who went to Patrick Henry College like a for like a semester, which is like super fundamentalist, small. Like it makes Liberty University look like a party school. He went there and then he left quickly. And everyone he met there is like, holy crap, Christians, do not vote for this guy. Oh, yeah. I know he's one of us, but don't do it. And then they did it. And now we're stuck with him. So anyway, the publication said, basically, has he ever tried to convert any Jews to the Christian faith? And here's what I want to know. I'll read you his response. Is this offensive or is this him just being an evangelical? That's the question you want to think about. Here's what he said. I'm quoting from the article now. I have, he said with a laugh, I have unsuccessfully, I've switched a lot of, uh, you know, I guess, culturally Jewish people, but being a practicing Jew, like people who are religious about it, they are very difficult. I've had a hard time connecting with them in that way. And then he goes on to say, in a, uh, they're quoting a sermon he gave in 2019 at a local church. If you have Jewish blood running through your veins today, Ooh, this, this is a might really scary start. <laughs> Jewish blood is definitely a red flag face. Yeah, yeah I for- he was talking about something in the Gospel of Mark, but he's like, if you have Jewish blood running through your veins today, this might not mean as much to you. But for someone like me, who's a Gentile, this means a lot. Yeah, that's itself. It, the thing he said wasn't offensive. It's the Jewish blood phrasing. But uh-huh. again, here's the thing that everyone's picking up on. It's the Haha, I have tried to convert Jews. I have an easier time with cultural Jews, but when they like know stuff, when they're religious about it, it's a little harder for me. Those are, they are difficult. And so there's two lines of thoughts in terms of the commentary that's emerged from this. One is, is that an anti Semitic comment? Some people say Mm -hmm. it is. And some Christian publications are like, well, no, that's the Great Commission. This is what we're called to do. Right. Get converts. Like, there's nothing offensive about what he did other than being a Christian who tries to draw people to his faith. And, like, there's plenty of stuff I don't like about this guy that, like, it, it's kind of like making fun of Trump for how he looks. It's like, it's such a cheap low blow. You can go after him for substantive things. Right. And so comparing him to a Cheeto or something is, or, uh, like criticizing his weight is like a stupid lazy thing to say and i wonder and i honestly i don't know where i fall on this is this a lazy attack of this guy to say he's anti-semitic because of this oh and by the way he visited hitler's summer home even though he said it wasn't like it was a horrible thing he said that in the instagram post like sure it was bad but also i'm here and then he called hitler the fuhrer i don't know like Wait, he's Fuhrer? He used the phrase the Fuhrer to describe Hitler. And like, mm-hmm. again, I'm sure he would be right. the first to say, I didn't mean it complim- in a complimentary way. But again, it's like, dude, everything you say kind of points in one direction. But also, I can't tell if this is a thing worth complaining about. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's my place to decide if something is anti-semitic or not um well let's say i i don't have this in front of me let's say there are jewish people who saw that and they said yeah that's totally anti-semitic where he's like he sees jews as targets i have to convert them and he says like yep i've switched a lot of he used the word switched as if they are targets 
And but also that's what evangelicals do. Right. And I just I guess one of the things I would love to know from those Christians is if this was a Muslim person saying it about you. If Ilhan Omar said, yeah, I've tried to convert Christians, but like, it's easy when they don't go to church that often. But when they're devout, it's a little tougher. I feel like they would have a field day with it. Yeah. And I also think that proselytizing somebody who is already declared in a faith is necessarily disrespectful of their faith. Right? Like, if I say I am Catholic or whatever, and somebody tries to talk me out of it, I think that is inherently disrespectful. And I think that would apply to essentially any religion, I guess, arguably including atheism, if that's how you want to classify it. Just because some evangelicals classify it as, well, this is what Jesus told us to do. This is, they have the capital letters, great commission that they got to do. It's like, just because you have a phrase for it doesn't mean it's an okay thing. Just because conversion is part of your like strategy is part of what you're called to do in your mind doesn't mean everyone has to go along and pretend it's okay to do. Right. And I think there's also a problem that just the way he talks about it makes me think he very much like objectifies Jewish people. And I don't know if it's specifically Jewish people, but Jewish people as opposed to like treating the person in front of you like a whole unique person who has their own thoughts and opinions and experiences. Which is a common critique, which is that the evangelicals who try to convert others, it's like, look at me as a person. Stop painting a target on me. I mean, that's not a new criticism of them. We've heard that for a while. By the way, in that same article uh, where he uh, talked about this, he also said, and I'm quoting, he he recently went to Washington, D.C. to take part in the freshman orientation for new Congress members. They all did it. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and one of the things he said to the reporter is he was thrilled to be in the spot, quote, where we had the vote to decide to have the Emancipation Proclamation, unquote. Which what? is not a thing anybody voted on. Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. What is he even trying to say in the I think he's trying to say, I'm in a place it. where history has been made. I think that's the charitable version of what he was saying. But oh. instead, he's like, I'm glad I'm in Congress, which is where we voted on the Emancipation Proclamation. It's like, that wasn't a bill, dude. That wasn't a law that got yeah, passed. Lincoln I, just signed that thing. I do think that if you're going to be a congressperson, you should be able to pass American History 101. But you know what the you fuck think, do I know? You would think. I know. Uh, um, Republican yeah, history. Not, not great overall as a human is my assessment of him. <laughs> Let's I would talk say about on him. <laughs> oh, this is good. I, I feel like you'll return to that thinking many times in the next two years. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Let, so uh, there's a, a company called PRRI. They do research. They do surveys. They're fine. Public Radio International? No, it's not. That's a different one. Uh, Public Religion Research Institute. Very PRRI. different, huh? Very different. So they put out a, a survey this week. They took a survey. They what they did is they wanted to know what like Fox news does to your brain. (laughs) And here's what they found. Like we know, like if I say, is there discrimination against black people? And I said, let's, let's weigh the amount, like compared to all Americans, what, what percent of all Americans would you say, believe black people are discriminated against in our country? Give me a number. What percent of all Americans think black people are discriminated against? Um, I want to say, say there's a lot of discrimination. A lot, lot of discrimination. discrimination. Um, I want to say 70%. You are close. Yes. Yep. 75% of all I Americans say, say 75, but I thought it was being too optimistic. No, yeah, 75 say admit there's a lot of discrimination against black people. Same question, this time to a Republican. A Republican. Okay, yeah. I'm going to say 50%. A little higher. I was oh. surprised by that too. 62% of Republicans do it, but with one caveat that I did not mention. Those are Republicans who don't view Fox News as their primary source of information. Uh-huh. And now, Fox News, the of the Republicans who say Fox News is kind of where I get all my information from, what percent of them say there's a lot of discrimination against black people? Oh, God. Um, 30? 33? A third? You're on, you're on it. 
Thirty-six percent. I'm good at this. Yeah, but look at that. With between non-Fox News Republicans and yeah, Fox a- News Republicans, that's from sixty-two down to thirty-six. And here's the other place where I thought it was super striking. When they say there's a lot of discrimination against Christians. Oh, Christ. 37% of all Americans said that's true, which is bananas. But okay, small for 37. people? All right. Yep. All of right. non-Fox News Republicans, it was 54. Of hmm. Fox News Republicans, it was 73. I was going to say 75. Look at that. So like, these people think being white and being Christian, these are other things that are on the list. Being white and being Christian are two of the hardest things to do in our society. Like, it's not that there's a right answer to this question. We're not playing persecution Olympics here. But imagine how deluded you have to be to think Christians are among the most persecuted group of people in this country. Yeah, that sucks, man. Like, I know there is a thinking. I know those people usually hate the word privilege. Mm-hmm. But the I like they actively think that the people who have the fewest hurdles to overcome in our society are somehow also at the greatest disadvantage. And I th- I heard this joke on Twitter. I've heard it for years now, so it's not an original thought. But tell me if you've heard this one. Fox News did to our parents what they believed video games, games would do to us. Yep. Yeah, they just messed our brain. They broke our brain, whatever. And here's some clear uh, evidence. And by the way, this PRRI survey, I mean, it, it had a lot of questions about a lot of issues, but the fact that there is such a dif- difference between like the Lincoln Project Republicans mm-hmm. quote, unquote, and the Fox News people and by the way, Fox News isn't even the crazy Republicans these days as much as usual. Now mm-hmm. they're like, Fox, they're liberal. We're going to Newsmax or OAN. Like they, right. they have their own crazier conspiracy theories. But it's so insane that Fox News is doing this to so many people. And it's it's not going away. I had this conversation with someone today where... It was like, remember back in the day when it's you thought delusion was limited to like religion or one type of religion? It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not. It's everywhere. And it's not just religious people because obviously they're progressive Christians who are awesome and all that. They're wrong, but they're awesome in terms of values and all of that. And it's like, how do you stop misinformation and belief in nonsense when it is everywhere. It's not just something you hear in church. It's something you like inject into your veins every day. That's honest. I was just talking to my friend Anne about that of like, what, how do I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to talk to somebody who believes so deeply in these like conspiratorial everyone's against me personally and my value. I don't know, man. Like, I, and it's hard for us to it, do it too because they're not listening to us. No, 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 no. Like they're not the people listening to our to our show. Like, yeah, but I don't, anything. Like that's what scares me. Like we we're not the whole Fox News point is we're not in the same media bubbles or ecosystems. They are literally not hearing another perspective unless they seek it out. Mm-hmm. And the problem is if they think everything else is either out to get them or lies, like they're not going to seek it out. So I mean. The answer to your question is like, it has to be a personal connection for me in blogging and all that stuff. It's like, I, I don't know who I'm reaching out to. I put it out there. I hope someone who's curious might see it, but I I don't know. Well, and I think the other problem is that the leaders of the Republican Party and the leaders on the right have failed so much. Like when you see, you know, people who are supposedly re- leading half of our country and they are fine saying that like Joe Biden and his socialist commie buddies are going to do whatever like they're fear mongering because they know people aren't critical thinkers when it comes to this kinds of thing these kinds of things and I don't I, I unless we lose the you know Lindsey Graham's and such of the world I I don't know how the right can recover yeah, I unless the people who they are listening to say something, good luck. And they're not listening to like Mitt Romney. They have to, it has right. to be from the conservative people in power. Well, and I would be curious to find out about 
people who have people who are like that who are like say Fox News conservatives, if their children have similar views or if they rebel against their parents or what what happens there because I'm I'm curious if it's just gonna like keep getting passed down. It, it seems like that's a harder thing to happen, right? To like pass down your only values to your only your values to your children because we have the internet. You you can't help but see some other opinions no matter what. So you know, I'm, I'm so I've heard that happens. thought that maybe the younger generation is getting more progressive. We see that with demographic shifts and everything, but also at the same time, um, when Madison Cawthorn, who we just talked about, got elected at 25, and he's obviously delusional and on the right. I mean, I know he lives in a rural red area, and that's why it's so scary. It's like you can't get rid of him or the QAnon people anytime right. soon because they are in a red bubble that's been gerrymandered for their preferences in a lot of cases but also if they're not going away this is the sort of group they belong to where these people these young people are getting brainwashed at a young age and it's not mm-hmm. through the same channels that older republicans sure got that stuff it's not necessarily through church uh-huh. but it's through whatever it is the podcast the youtube channels that are helping drag yeah. them down this rabbit hole yeah i saw a an article I think from earlier this year that half of Republican or like something like 56% of Republicans believe in QAnon. And that shook me to my core because I like, I'm obviously not conservative and do not agree with almost any conservative stances. I don't, I, I think there is conversation to be had in conservative circles with listening to conservative ideas. I don't think it's bad to listen to conservative ideas when they are based in any kind of fact or reality. But this QAnon bullshit is ruining the country in a very real way. Like in a very real, like hundreds of thousands of people have died because somebody's whispering in their ear that like the government is trying to muzzle you. Don't wear a mask. Like it's wild. Speaking of which, let's talk about this. Uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. He is a guy uh, from Florida who early on during the pandemic, he was one of the people in Florida who's like, nope, I'm keeping my church open. He actually got arrested for violating a local ordinance and ended up coming back, holding outdoor rallies, but they were Mm -hmm. still really large. Anyway, he's been, he's been, preaching from home lately so that's a plus yeah but he also said in august that anyone who took a vaccine would be quote dead within a couple of years with no evidence uh, behind that but this is what he said this week here's what he knows it's kind of like he read three words in a news article about the vaccines the potential vaccines and he's (laughs) like i'm an expert now yep uh here's what he said the vaccine they're counting on is an rna vaccine correct then he went on that actually changes your dna so they want to remove the god factor out of people (laughs) they won't feel god it's all the end time wicked plan of the enemy to totally destroy humanity because he hates man oh boy (laughs) Like your DNA will not get changed because of the RNA vaccine. That's not how it works. And you're this guy is misinterpreting what he's read in articles about how the vaccine would work. And also there's no like one God gene that you could turn on or off that like this vaccine somehow, I guess it's going to skip over COVID and go straight to God. I don't know what he thinks happens biologically here, but there's no magical God gene that this vaccine would prevent or block or whatever he thinks is going to happen. Because I promise you, if there was a vaccine that got people to stop believing in stuff, all the scientists who are all atheists would have been on that shit a long time ago. That's It ex- doesn't exist. Extremely funny. And there was a book called The God Gene, right? Metaphorically, not- yes. Like... They're saying there are parts that may make you susceptible, like they make you susceptible to belief. And like, there are things we can, we can trigger certain parts of your brain that make you believe in that things are actually happening to you, even when it's a sensation. But again, there's no one gene you turn on or off 
Like, and the fact that this guy thinks not only is there that gene, but the COVID vaccine will, I don't know, block it, turn it off. Therefore, you should avoid it. That's very good. And again, I want to laugh at this because it's just stupid. It's it's your nasal bone was created for glasses. Stupid. But again, this is what so many Republicans believe. They believe this crazy shit, if not this specific conspiracy, a whole lot of stuff that's pretty damn close to it. Mm hmm. The first I'm on, I looked up the God Jane, and the first book it said that they thought I might like is Dune, and I don't know what they think about me. <laughs> what I'm does a dork, that say? But I'm not in Dune universe dork. I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about Dune. I know it's like a doorstopper book. Anyway, um, oh man, I'm yeah. gonna send you all the angry mails. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know that. people are like super into <laughs> Dune. I don't care. Um, there is, yeah, yeah, that's very stupid. And it, 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 it also falls into like my a number one pet peeve if when, when they're right or Christians or however you want to phrase it, when they only believe quote unquote believe in science when it supports what they think. Yeah. And also when they can like woefully I, misunderstand what the fuck is going on. I love on. how Rodney Howard Brown just went from being like a You're COVID, it's not a real thing, like denying science all the way in the parts of the pandemic and now he's like, let me tell you how mRNA works. He's like the expert now and he knows everything. There, <laughs> Let's talk about this article that was in the Atlantic. Um, I like Emma Green, the reporter who did it. I have no problem with the article itself, but here's the premise of it. There is a pastor... Andy Stanley, he runs a mega church in Atlanta, huge campus. And one of the things he did this year is he said, you know what, we're closing down our church, all the satellite campuses, we are closing them down, we're going to go online, they're doing everything you hope a church would do. Mm -hmm. And he also went further and said, and he said this early in the pandemic, we are not going to open these churches back until 2021. Um, And we'll see what the science is saying and we'll we'll figure it out from there so good on him like that's i i don't think he deserves necessarily praise or anything like that's what you should do good Mm -hmm. like you did the minimum that is important but okay that's different from a lot of megachurch preachers these days so good on him i guess (laughs) the other thing you need to know about him for the past few years he's been one of the prominent white evangelical pastors who stayed away from Trump. He's not a guy who would go to the White House and Uh be in those photo ops. He's not a guy who praised Trump for all the stuff. You're like, why the hell is anyone praising this stuff? Mm -hmm. But more or less, when even when his buddies are like texting selfies from Trump Tower, according to the article, like he didn't join in. But, and this is what the article gets at, he also hasn't been part of like the evangelical resistance with the preachers and pastors who have been like, if this is what Trump is doing with my religion, and if this is what white evangelicals who are close to him are doing with my religion, we need to push back. How dare you use my religion for your awful Republican policy choices? Okay. And Andy Stanley didn't take part in that either. He very much was on the sidelines for the past several years. So the question is that the article was framed in a way to say, All these other white evangelical preachers were on the Trump train for the past four years. And now Trump lost. Is his job, is he worried that his job is as a Christian, as a Christian leader, is going to be harder because he has to try to convince people that the gospel message is separate and distinct and maybe different from Trumpism? That's what the gist of this article was. Mm -hmm. And here's what he kind of said about it. Has that group of evangelical leaders hurt the church's ability to reach people outside the church? Absolutely, he said. But he's not overly worried. A year or two from now, he said, all that goes away. New leaders will rise up. The Trump era of evangelical history will fade. And this will just be, for a lot of people, a bad dream. Hmm. So that's what he said in the article. I, I don't even like... I disagree with him, but like, okay, I don't have that much of a problem with kind of what he's trying to say, Mm -hmm. but here's what I don't get. I don't think we need to treat that guy as any sort of hero. 
And this is going back to that old history thing, like history is never kind to people who stay on the sidelines. Well, here's a guy who spent four years on the sidelines while his colleagues were using their faith to do all sorts of awful atrocities to children and refugees and LGBTQ people and the world. Um, And he sat there and said, well, I'm not a political man. (laughs) I will stay on the sidelines. I don't want my church to, I think he said, I don't want my church to be a headline driven church or something like that. Headline news. I don't want to be a headline news preacher where every sermon is just based on whatever the politics of the day is. Okay. And so, I don't know. I felt like this article was giving him praise for saying, you're now, Trump is gone. What are you going to do about it? Because people look up to you and like, is this going to make your job harder? And I don't know. He's, I don't feel like he deserves anything. He doesn't <laughs> deserve any praise. He had the chance to speak out using this giant pulpit and respect that he had and he did jack shit with it. He's just like, well, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus wasn't political, even though a lot of progressive Christians would be like, no, he absolutely was. Yeah. And he was unpopular because of it, because mm-hmm. he said things that upset the people of his time. And how dare you not stand up while all these atrocities are being committed in the name of your religion? <sighs> yeah. I, I mean,. The bar is so low. The fact that he isn't actively doing bad means he is not, like, the worst of them. Mm. But I don't know. Well, the article also said this, and I found this interesting. When Emma Green asked him about his own politics, she said, Stanley, quote, wouldn't say who he voted for in the past two elections, 2016 and 2020, but he volunteered that he's a conservative guy with conservative values, which, again... To me, that is, it's not a, I never tell people how I vote out of principle. That's a, I'm not going to tell you. That's a coward's way out. This is the easiest one question test ever. This Mm -hmm. guy failed. But someone on Twitter who knows of his church, maybe attends his church, said he told a group, there's audio of this somewhere, I think. He told a group at his church he voted for Trump in 2016, but he said he did it because of the Supreme Court. Like he wanted the justices, which I get, but also don't pretend like you're anti-Trump or that you're not political. You very much fall into the same awful bucket of Christian leaders who said, well, I know all these people are going to get hurt and die because we Mm -hmm. knew that was going to happen a long time before the pandemic. And he's like, yeah, but I want some judges because I care about fetuses more than I care about, you know, human beings. (sighs) And so... I didn't find that out until after the article came out and the article didn't mention it. But again, I I don't think this guys like him deserve praise for not joining in on the Trump train of Christian pastors just because you sat out and said, I don't want to get involved here. Like that says a lot about how little we should look to you for moral guidance. You couldn't see evil when it was staring you in the face and you didn't say anything about it. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. Like, I I think there is a big difference between actively doing bad and passively doing bad, and I think he falls firmly in the latter camp. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I think in a time like this, in 2020, in the 2016 Trump era, if you are a leader of people, then you have some responsibility to keep this ship righted. That was not how that idiom goes. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you are the leader of people, you have some sort of responsibility to try to make your little pocket of the world a better place. You know, I think you and I, like we have whatever, a thousand or whatever people listen to, a few thousand people listen to this every week. And I think we have somewhat of a responsibility to and. In- to encourage people who listen to us for whatever weird reason they listen to us to do good in the world, right? Like it's not an obligation, I don't think necessarily, but it is just part of the privilege of having a a microphone, so to speak. So yeah, if you are not doing as much good as you can with your place of power, then you should be open to criticism. And I don't think any of us are inescapable. You know, all of us deserve some kind of criticism, but I do think... If he, especially because he has his finger on the pulse of 
the Trump nation, uh, the kinds of people who maybe could be persuaded out of yeah. voting for in Atlanta, in Georgia, where yeah. this stuff makes a difference right now. Yeah, especially right now in Georgia. But anyway, um, let's talk about this in West Virginia, because this is relatively new for uh, new information. I haven't seen it covered many, many places. Here's the setup here. There is a diocese of Wheeling, Charleston in West Virginia. And uh, last year, the state's attorney general filed a lawsuit against this diocese. And he basically said uh, the organization, the Catholic Church, they violated state law, specifically the Consumer Credit and Protection Act. Okay. And what that law says is basically you can't lie to customers. You can't sell them a product without telling people the problems. That's what it sure. does. It protects consumers. Sure. And the lawsuit basically said when you ran Catholic schools or summer camps or whatever they were, you led people to believe that employees were subject to background checks so that we could know they have a clean record. And they said they totally didn't do that. They hired people who uh, very clearly had like sex abuse allegations or problems, uh -oh. things like that. It's not that something happened. It's that they lied to people when they said we did our thorough background checks and we wouldn't mm. hire anybody or anything like that. This went up to the state Supreme Court. And the reason was the Catholic Church says, who cares what the secular law says? You don't get to tell us how to run what we do. Mm. And so the question is, does the law apply to the Catholic Church here, which says you can't lie to people about like a product you're selling, like Catholic schools or the summer camp that comes with the tuition? You told them you were going to do these background checks. You did not do it. What's the deal with that? And the Supreme Court this week said, yeah, the, the Catholic Church is allowed to do whatever the hell the Catholic Church wants. Mm. They said, uh, they said, here's the opinion penned by one of the justices, they said the deceptive practices law, um, they have no choice but to say uh, enforcing that law on religious institutions would basically get in the way of religious instruction, religious freedom, things like that. Uh, and here's what they said. If the diocese acted or failed to act, as the attorney general claims, alleges, then the diocese has violated that trust and harmed those tendered to its cares, dot, dot, dot. But our sympathy cannot rewrite the law, and our we cannot ignore the existence and import of the parochial school's legislation. In English, they're saying, look, if they screwed up, if they didn't, if they purposely lied to their customers mm -hmm. as the Catholic Church, that's horrible. What do you want us to do about it? We can't push the law on them because it's a private religious institution. Now, I will say there was a dissent. It, it was in the minority. It doesn't count. But like there was a dissent. And one of the judges said, what are you talking about? Like we, we you, what you are doing here is slamming the door shut on enforcement of even the most blatant, unfair or deceptive commercial conduct yeah. just because it's a religious institution. This has nothing to do with getting in the way of their religious practice which we might have a problem with. We don't want the church, we don't want the state interfering with what the church does. But this is saying you can't lie to your customers about a product. We should be able to use that law to stop them. And as she said, the, this is the dissenting judge, this case has absolutely nothing to do with the free exercise or expression of religious thought and nothing to do with regulating religious institutions in the sense of excessive state entanglement. What is at issue is alleged false promises and deceptive advertising, basically saying we should be able to stop you from lying to customers, um, at least when you're selling a product and asking people to give you money for it. Like not, oh, the whole Catholic Church is a lie, so we should be able to stop them. No, this is you're selling something and you're lying to people as you're doing it. Walgreens can't get away with that. CVS can't do that. But the Catholic Church in West Virginia now can. And that's a scary thought. Uh, the diocese spokesperson said, we affirm our full commitment to transparency, dot, dot, dot. Who cares? Um, yeah, I don't... <sighs>
I think the the most frustrating thing ab- about this is not just that, like whether or not the law has has uh, jurisdiction over private religions, which of course I would argue it does, and we've I think we've seen quite a few times like like cults getting brought in and they say, oh, it's our religion that we marry 13-year-old girls to grown men. And the the government is generally like, yeah, that's super not cool. I think one of the big problems is like, it's not like the Catholic Church is trying to say like, hey, we want to tell people that the wafer literally turns into the body of Christ. We can't prove that, but this is like what our religion teaches us. It's not that. It's not small things. It is putting children in imminent danger because they don't want to play by the same rules as the rest of us. This isn't a harmless white lie. This is one that if I'm sending my kid to a school, I would like to be assured that if the principal or whomever tells me, yeah, 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 all of these teachers are fine, they're certified, they definitely have not like molested children in the past, so you're good to trust us with your human children. That is quite a different thing than like, can I let my 12-year-old drink wine? I don't know. Like it it's just the fact that we're having a conversation about something this big is what is is frustrating to me. <sighs> Do you want a happier? No, not a happier. Do you want a regular story that's not dumpster <laughs> fire related? Great. Um, it involves uh, Abby Johnson, who is the anti-abortion activist who was depicted in a Pure Flicks movie and spoke at the RNC this summer and mm-hmm. said her husband, she said in a separate tweet, in her ideal world, the husband would get the final say in how a household casts a ballot because, you know, pesky women shouldn't be allowed to vote. Yeah. Just let the husband do it for them. Um, but basically, here's what she tweeted. I'm going to just read it. This is what she tweeted uh, this uh, a week ago as we approached a quarter million people dead from mm-hmm. COVID. It's time for every church in America to defy lockdown quarantine, and any other orders related to this virus. People need to be in church. They need to fellowship with other believers. They need hope. They need Jesus. Stop cowering to the government. Stand up and fight. That's what the supposedly pro-life person... Fuck these people. (laughs) Honestly, fuck these people. That's... I feel like that's all I've been thinking about for the last several months, especially with the holidays approaching is like, you can't make the smallest set. I mean, yes, it's not necessarily a small sacrifice all the time, but you can't do something as simple as forego a going to church once a week in person. You can still worship. You can still video chat with people. You can still pray. You can still study your Bible. You can do whatever you want. Just please, please don't gather in a building with no ventilation because you're going to kill people. Like for some reason, people's unwillingness to do even to like sacrifice eat. It genuinely makes me think back to like when I read and granted, I read a lot of fiction books about like World War II era of everybody was on board and everyone was growing victory gardens and giving up, you know, nylon and silk and things like that because we have to support our boys in blue or that's not it. Boys in boys in blue is the cops. Anyway, our boys abroad who are fighting the Nazis Everybody was willing to get on board with this and make their sacrifices and do their piece and knit their little blankets. I'm obviously only thinking of an American Girl doll book that I read when I was a kid. But everybody was part of it. It was this big American thing. And now the now we're saying like, hey, so many people have died and there are so many people still to die. And the most frustrating thing to me for this past week, the most frustrating thing has been hey, we have a vaccine right around the fucking corner. Like, we are going to see this vaccine soon. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Anybody who dies between now and when we get the vaccine is a fucking criminal crime. Because it's not like, hey, can you stay home for the rest of the foreseeable future? Which is kind of how we've all been living, right? Like, we've all been kind of living in this, this is our life now, and how sustainable is this, and how can I make it better? But right now we're like, all right, dog, like if you can hold out until February or March, we'll get the vaccine. We can go back to normal and we can have our lives back. Unfortunately, people 
think that their wants are more important than the health and lives of not only just strangers around the country, but their friends and family, those people who are they're putting at risk. And for some reason, can you please explain to me why it's all the boomers who are like anti-mask and anti-staying home? Y'all are old people now. You have to get on board with that. You are an at-risk group. Stay the fuck at home. Fucking boomer, here, here. man. <laughs> Evergreen comment. Evergreen. <laughs> yeah. Evergreen comment, correct. There is a George Carlin joke. I know we may have said this before, but there's an old classic George Carlin joke that basically says of the anti-abortion crowd, if you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. Yeah. And like, it's supposed to be a joke that exaggerates their beliefs. And yeah. And people like Abby Johnson, it's like, nope, that's totally true. You will do anything for a fetus, but the second people are born, you're like, you guys all need to die because I want Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. You get a it job, is. you fucking toddler. Freeloading yeah. asshole. <laughs> like they just don't care about human life. They will oppose obviously healthcare accessibility for people. They want more weapons everywhere. There, right. It really is hypocrisy. And I think people need to just keep pointing that out to anyone who suggests these people have any moral qualifications or anything. They're not. Yeah. Um, totally different story for a second. Melissa McCarthy, the actress. Yay. She has a new movie coming out called Super Intelligence. Whatever. Uh, I think it's coming out Whatever, through HBO. Melissa McCarthy. Sure. I watch movies. It's coming out maybe through HBO Max, but basically with the help as a part of their promotional tour for this movie, mm-hmm. I have no idea what the movie's about, but they decided it would be a good idea to give $20,000 to 20 charities in 20 days. Cause like, uh-huh. how do you get bad press from that? You know what I mean? Like it's all <laughs> good press all the time. Uh-huh. And most, uh, whatever groups they gave to like the human rights campaign, like they're fine. They're good. Mm-hmm. All of that is fine. One of the charities that they gave $20,000 to, or they earmarked $20,000 for, was a group called Exodus Cry, which uh, supposedly is anti-sex trafficking. Oh, so okay. like, all right, fine, good. That's all well and good. But as the Daily Beast pointed out last week, here's the problems with that group. The founder of that group has called abortion a holocaust. He said homosexuality is an unspeakable offense to God. Hey, boy. Um, They want to abolish commercial sex industry altogether, which Mm -hmm. means they're going after sex work and not just sex trafficking and all of that. Um, You were so close, huh? uh Uh-huh. In 2018, when they filed their public tax returns as a nonprofit, they said their goal was to abolish sex work entirely, which, again, hurts consensual people, uh, people doing it consensually and who are not trafficked. Sex work is work. Yeah. And so, and also, by the way, the nonprofit emerges, it's a project of a far-right conservative church, which is called the International House of Prayer. Yes, it's called IHOP. But basically... (laughs) Their uh, founder. Wait, stop. Stop I, everything. I, you can't that's just... not even the point of this. But yes, it's IHOP. Did they come before or after the I can't out? remember. I oh don't have that God. for you. So fucking I knew the question before you asked it, and I don't have the <sighs> But the, the church's founder has said gay people would face flaming missiles of the evil one and has said Hitler was a, quote, hunter sent by God to punish the Jews. Zoinks. So that's Exodus Cry. I'm not so saying. I'm going to say or, I am yeah. anti that dude. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to say Exodus Cry is like, come on, that's what our founder said a long time ago. It's not what we do today. Sure. Like, we focus on sex trafficking, but like, I, I don't see you exact. Again, first of all, the tax returns are very much in the group's name. And they said they want to get rid of sex work entirely, mm-hmm. which is not the just anti-sex trafficking issue. Right. And basically everyone you're attached to has said just the worst things. So how much of that, unless you're denouncing it all, unless you're saying, look, we're embarrassed by our founder. Mm-hmm. We're sorry he was affiliated, but he doesn't work with us anymore. We tr- we hate him now. Mm-hmm. Like they, they didn't do that. So. After that article came to light, Melissa McCarthy posted on Instagram a personal, like, minute-long apology, um, which I thought was, as far as celebrity apologies go, it was fairly genuine and convincing, saying, look, we thought it was a good idea, we learned more, 
Sorry, did not know that. We are not giving them the money that we had pledged to give them mm-hmm. for that reason. I'm sorry. Should have looked into it better. My mistake, but thank you all for calling us out on it. It was it was good. Um, I should say Exodus Cry, that organization, is now complaining, as all right-wing Christian groups do. This persecution. is the, yep, persecution. This is all misinformation. They said we advocate for the rights of women not to be exploited for sex. They said of the CEO, he's still the CEO. Yeah. Um, he has expressed his personal views that he believes in the protection of life in the womb. That's a reference to him calling abortion a Holocaust. That's fun and cool. Um, and they say our organization has never taken any position on those issues. They also said, we're not anti-LGBTQ just because, you know, the guy who founded our group and is now our CEO said homosexuality was an offense to God. Christ. He was sharing his personal opinion, you guys. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, the happy ending there is once the group, once Melissa McCarthy and her team at HBO Max found out about this, they said, fine, we're not giving them money. That's the right thing to do. But also, I, I'm always amazed by like how who whoever on your team, it wasn't Melissa McCarthy, but like whoever decided this, how do you not look up these groups? Yeah. I don't know where you're getting the suggestions from, but it's not that hard to do a basic research. Right. You're a hundred percent Google search. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. Like that is a a terrible oversight. Also, though, like I don't know. They've got 20 nonprofits. Like something's bound to fall through the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like so many of these are vetted. We're doing our best. Some of these Whenever are vetted. I didn't get the money. Melissa McCarthy is still America's sweetheart. We're fucking fine. Ghostbusters uh, 2016 is still a very good movie. I'll take me. your word on that. I, I, have haven't been, I haven't had people fight me about that movie in like six months. So that, that door is open again. I'll work on it. <sighs> let's talk about okay we have to talk about this tennessee uh mayor which okay i'm gonna tell you this story i still haven't figured out how much blame this mayor deserves but here's the gist of it there was an article on al.com legit news site in alabama and it was a uh, huntsville alabama is right up north in alabama and it borders with Lincoln County, Tennessee, on the southern border of Tennessee. Okay. Um, the way they do it in rural parts of Tennessee is you have a mayor for the county. Okay, so the guy uh, is Mayor Bill Newman. He is in charge of this rural area in Tennessee. They've had 1,322 positive cases of COVID, 30, 40 new ones a day. It's not great, but it's also not great anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has been reluctant to do any sort of mask mandate. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing the article said, and that got a lot of publicity, bad publicity okay. for the mayor. Here's what they said. The mayor said, the virus is science, and it's true, and I do believe masking helps prevent the spread of it, but I don't feel I should mandate people wearing masks at this time. Now, that is one thing he said. Typical conservative saying, I want to, I want the government to have less rules over your life, sure. but also he's wrong and it's stupid and irresponsible to say. Let's criticize that. The A, a different part of the article, it seems like The thing I just read you is all he said. And then a different part of the article says this. Newman said he takes any big decision to God for guidance. And in his Baptist denomination, Newman said that guidance comes from the Holy Spirit. He said it's not a heart. It's a heart thing. It's not a mind thing. When you're using all your God-given talents, your physical or mental or spiritual, all those things. When I pray for guidance, I may not know the answer immediately. And here's the thing. The headlines everywhere basically said Tennessee mayor won't require COVID masks until Holy Spirit says so. And I'm debating how much of that is fair because he did not say I would do the mask mandate if God told me. It's kind of like he just said, I don't think I want the government telling you what to do, which is a problem, but it's a different problem. Mm-hmm. And later on, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm religious. I talk to God. I get my I take guidance from God, which is something Biden says. Like, it's not a weird thing for a religious person to say. And whoever the reporter was, I'm not here to trash the reporter necessarily, but they link those two together. 
And I have not yet figured out if that's a fair linkage. And I have, I mailed, I sent an email to this mayor specifically. I have not heard back. Um, but I don't know. I just want to point that out because I saw a lot of headlines. I saw a lot of Reddit upvotes for articles about this guy saying he said this. And I just, I don't know how true it is, but I just want to put that out there. Um, so like, I want to be mad at him for the right reasons. And I think people are mad at him for the wrong ones. Can I go on a tangent that is similar to that's sub like has a similar subject. It's about a New yeah. York times um, opinion article. Yeah. Um, I am scrolling up so I can find it. It obviously came to me through a Jew chat through my friend, Anne, which is where I get all my best news. Um, so it says New York times opinion. Um, and it came out today, the 20th, as we record this. Um, and it is by uh, Farhad Manju. And he said, I traced my COVID-19 bubble and it's enormous. Um, and so what he it's essentially it came on the heels of, I think it's yesterday or two days ago, the CDC said, please don't travel for the holidays. It's a terrible fucking idea, which I think most of us know. So this guy actually went through and he has like a really cool infographic up of this is what my bubble is. My bubble is my wife and my two kids. Well, also my wife, my son is in a learning pod. My daughter is in a gymnastics class. So going, so he just basically like follows, you know, connects the dots and realizes that his bubble is really more than a hundred people. Right. Does that make sense? That Yeah. Like, when you talk to you, where your kids go to daycare, where they right. go to school, it's everyone they're in contact with. It's where are anyone, where is anyone in your immediate family communicating or around other people? And he's like, well, if you go to my kids who go to daycare, mm-hmm. it's everyone at their daycare and everywhere where they go. So that extended web means, I think the thing you pointed out, it's kind of like you're having dinner, Thanksgiving dinner with 100 people already. Right. And so everyone needs to be aware that our bubbles are already maybe much bigger than we think they are. Right. So, and she didn't careful. even take into account going to the grocery store or right. things like that. He only, like, these are long term community, like, ex- you're close exactly. by for close range. But then exactly. I think he said, but I'm going to Thanksgiving dinner anyway, right? Thank you. So he said, basically, you know, it's we're not seeing someone who's dying from cancer. I just want to see my parents. The CDC says the safest way to spend Thanksgiving is to stay home. After discovering how huge my bubble is, shouldn't I just go with that advice? But I can't do it. Even after I mapped my buzzle, bubble, the question of whether or not to go still feels in the end like a gut call. ruled more by emotion than empirical data. So after thinking long and hard about this and after extended conversations with my eager parents, my wife and I decided we would travel for Thanksgiving. This might come as a surprise given what I found mapping my bubble, but the exercise prompted us to add several important safety measures. So he's pulling his kids out of his learning pod for a week. LOL. Okay. He's, they're looking into getting tested before they go. Okay. Like, the four of us will get in the car. He's basically, and- sounds like he's saying we're taking every precaution we can, but we are going to be with our family, extended family for Thanksgiving. He says they're going to meet his parents in their backyard. I can't promise they won't hug our children, but like. Right. He's getting a lot of shit for it online. Yes, is is my understanding. And, and I think this kind of sort of melds into the thing that you said of we I understand that we all want, like, we all make decisions with our emotions. We make decisions with our guts. Like, no matter how scientifically minded or empirically empirical any of us are, you make certain opinions just based on emotion. It's it's inevitable, and it's not necessarily even a bad thing. <laughs> However, this isn't about this guy's decision and how it's going to affect himself or even himself and his wife and children. This is... Every person in this fucking country is doing exactly what this guy is doing. And probably about half of them are going to make the same decision he makes. The CDC has said that like it's spreading now more and more because of small family gatherings like this. It, it is extraordinarily frustrating as a scientifically minded person to see somebody Given the data, like it's a silver and go tray, go through it, yeah, and very go clearly, through it and parse through it and understand that it's bigger than he ever knew. And I'm not sure if I, I don't remember if he said specifically what I said. Like I'm not taking into account going to the gas station or whatever. Right. <laughs> but like, what do you do when people who 
understand the problem are still making the same decisions as the people who willingly refuse to accept the problem. Yeah. And it's fucking Thanksgiving. Like, you know, when I was little, Hammond, I got sick over Christmas. I had to stay home with my mom and I couldn't go to my aunt's house for Christmas. And I cried and I was upset and I was so mad at my mom for not letting me go. One, I was fucking seven. (laughs) Two, I got the fuck over it. Right. This is one year. I'm just... I understand this sucks. It sucks for everybody. Get on fucking Skype and hang out with people all day. I don't care. Like, stay the fuck at home. Please. Please. I think the thing that bothered me most about that article is when I know he's taking precautions, he explains his precautions that he's taken with his family and lays out, like we said, he lays it all out. He's going anyway. It What worries me is that might provide justification for other people to do the same thing. And they won't have, they won't take that many uh, precautions. They won't necessarily have access to the same precautions and they're going to do it too. It's like, well, this guy kind of did it. We'll try to be safe and we'll do it. And also, and I don't remember where this, this guy lives, but also like I have done that at my parents' house. I'm not proud of it, but like over the, over the summer, we went over there and we were planning on staying outside and it was like raining or what the fuck ever. And so we all went inside and stayed really far away from us, but there were four of us. And you know what I mean? Like we did not make all of the perfect decisions, but also there were four of us. We did everything we could. And now, now that I have done that, I understand that like best laid plans, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah, we'll go outside and we'll sit outside and we'll have a glass of wine together. Oh, it's 45 degrees. Oh, let's just go outside for a little while. Oh, I just want, oh, I've had two glasses of wine. Oh, I'm just going to give you a quick hug goodbye. No big deal. Like this is how it spreads. And I'm not saying I've been perfect or, you know, it's just, just do your best, you guys. Like, can we please do our best? This is such a scary time. And in the Midwest, especially, it is whack in the Midwest. It is pretty bad. I got one last story for you. This, <laughs> oh, a happy, this one ends on a happy note. Oh, but uh, in Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, they, like everyone else, have switched classrooms to basically Zoom, which a lot of online education these days. And one of the programs used by a lot of public schools in the state mm-hmm. is called Excellus Learning Accelerator. Excellus. And here's the problem with it. According to the Department of Education in Hawaii, They did a review of these curriculums because they were rolled out really quickly. If they said like, look, everyone loves us. They're like, all right, get in there because we need to make adjustments really quickly to switch to online learning. Mm -hmm. One of the things their Department of Education found is that, and I'm quoting here, the amount of non-secular content was unacceptable. They they were basically saying they have units on Jesus, uh, his parables and teachings, the Exodus, Moses. And some of this, yes, we should teach kids the basics of Christianity because mm-hmm. they need to be aware of what people believe and what motivates them. But it went further, they said. They said, as an example, one test question in a middle school course is Jesus performed miracles, such as laying his hands on the sick. The possible answers are true or false. Like, what do you want them to say? Mm. Like, obviously, the answer they're intending is true. That is what the myth of Jesus is, that he performed miracles. But the answer is true because they're suggesting Christianity is true. And the point is, it is the view of this examiner that Excellus presents a curriculum that promotes Christian values and religious material in the public school. Basically saying, you're not teaching about Christianity. You are promoting Christianity. Right. But the Department of Education was made aware of this. They issued this statement. And actually, since they issued it this week, the Department of Education in Hawaii said the department ensured Excellus, quote, has removed or addressed all of the concerning content that they identified in the review. Basically, they're still using the company, but all the material that they said, you can't do this, 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 which is all the religious uh, uh, proselytizing, it's gone. And American Atheists not only sent a letter warning them about this, that letter that American Atheists sent was included in the Board of Education's report. Mm -hmm. So meaning like, we see this and they are right. 
Um, American Atheists said, thankfully, our concerns did not fall on deaf ears. We like the Department of Education conducted an impressively thorough review to rectify the situation. That's from American Atheists. I will say the guy who founded Excellus, Dr. Roger Billings, made a video where he basically said, I'm paraphrasing here. He basically said, yeah, we made the changes, but honestly, we shouldn't have had to. It's totally Mm -hmm. legal what we were doing. But this is what you want. This is what you want from any government. You want them to put a stop to religious promotion in the public schools, especially when it's so blatant mm-hmm. like this. So good uh, good on the people who brought it to their attention and for Hawaii for doing the right thing there. So That's I will great. leave on that note. Um, oh. I Good news, because last week I was like, hey, uh, we haven't gotten any reviews on iTunes for a while guess what happened next did we get one review on itunes no we got multiple so okay. we're, we're, we're set for everyone. a little bit so i'm gonna read one from buck 2323 um excellent keeps me grounded there it always cuts someone that says excellent keeps me grounded period man dot 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 i don't know why <laughs> itunes has this op- option to like make a really long title and then not show it and i have no way to see it <laughs> um, I found this podcast when, after 62 years on this planet, at least 58 of them as a believer, I began to identify as an atheist. Parentheses, though I'm starting to refer, prefer reasonist. Uh, your Pathios blog and the Godless Mom blog there got, um, helped me get through uh, believer withdrawals, and I continue to enjoy your illuminating perspective. COVID disrupted my podcast listening reg- regimen. Me too, Buck. Um, COVID. Oh, yep. So I don't catch every episode, but you're definitely at the top of my list when I have time. That's very sweet. Many Thank thanks you. for your service. P.S. I haven't fully checked, but is there a link <laughs> to a video of Hammond's appearance on Jeopardy? DM me. Yeah, D- DM <laughs> Listen, puzzles are the only reason I've kept up with my uh, with my podcasting. I just sit and do them and listen and rage. Um, cool. Hemant, where can we find you on the uh, internet? I am at FriendlyAtheist.com. I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Uh, I'm at on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. You can always email us at FriendlyAtheistPodcast at gmail.com to tell us your thoughts on the uh, Ghostbusters remake. I'll fight you if you don't like it. Um, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, tell a friend, stay home for Thanksgiving, please. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.